You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The Bereans, didn't he? And we often comp- compliment the Bereans. Does anybody remember the compliment of the, that the Bereans get? Yeah, I've, I've heard it out there. They, but, it's, but, but do you remember what it said before they said how that they studied the Word of God? It actually said they weren't like those of Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures whether those things were so. And it's interesting because that often sounds like a jab at the Thessalonians. Uh, but uh, and, and, and in a sense it sounds like because he was definitely saying, man, the Bereans, they're doing great because they are searching out whether what we say is so or not. But he says with the Thessalonians, they didn't do that. But in chapter 1, he's complimenting them because he's saying, man, when I preach to you, you didn't take it as the word of man. You took it as the word of God. Amen? And so he's actually complimenting them for this. So it's an interesting little dynamic there. But last week we looked, just real quickly, on the directive of the fact that this is the church. Unto the church of the Thessalonians. Uh, Folks, the New Testament, it's awesome to think about how God put his plans to start with. God put left his master plan for the universe into the hands of 12 fallible men. I should say 11, right? But uh, we know eventually it was 12. Isn't that an amazing thing? God has this master plan, and he's going to leave it with Peter. And he's going to leave it with John. And, and, and we have a pretty good impression of John because of what John, God did in John's heart. We think of, oh, nice little John, little lovely John. This is the same John that was asking, Lord, can we please call down fire on that city? I want to see these people burn in fire coming down on their heads. And he's also the same John that at one point was saying, uh, hey, uh, that, that, that was wanting to sit on and asking to sit on Jesus' right hand and on the throne by him. And so I'm just saying, so, so he started by using those people, but of course that's, that, that's what grew into the church. And on down through the ages, God says, through my church, I'm going to accomplish my directive. And through the local churches that are founded, I'm going to accomplish my will. So it's just cool to think about the directive. Jesus said, I will build my church. The directive, their drive, and that's where we looked at verse number 3 last week. We'll pick up there where the Bible says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for, unto, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. And we'll just pause right there to look at the, the goal tonight is to look a little bit about, about the power for transformation. What is it that took these people? Notice these people once again. Go down to verse number 9 with me. The Bible says, For they themselves show unto us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how that ye turn to God from idols... 
to serve the living and true God. So think about that. What is it that took a bunch of idol worshipers? What is it that took people that were bowing down to stone and wood? And no doubt, when you look at many idols, the thing about idols, we still have idols today, don't we? Uh, our idols maybe look a little bit different, but what you find out is oftentimes idols, there's, there's usually different motivations behind them, but idols are often gods made in the image of man. In other words, uh, most of, I would say most of the idols that are out there are a bunch of perverts, right? If you really think about it, there's a lot of perversion involved there. Why? Because there's a lot of perversion in the heart of man. And so, therefore, the, but, but these people, here's these people, idol worshipers one day. The next day, a man comes to town, but it's not the man, but this man comes with a message. And this isn't just any message. There's messages that come to town all the time. There's things that we may hear all the time, but this time, there was a message and this message was a message of the gospel it was the message of power it was the message with the Holy Ghost of God the power of God Almighty himself and so one day these people are idol worshipers the next day they're throwing out their idols and worshiping the true and the living God you let a couple months pass and this same group of people is ready to stand in the face of opposition and continue to build the church uh, that God planted there in Thessalonians. And to do so to such an extent that it, it began to sound out and people all around began to hear about them. Now it's one thing for everybody to hear about a church today because of social media, the internet and all these different things. But from what God was doing, but where did it start? Folks, it started with the power of the gospel. And so that is the, the power for, for transformation really comes in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the message of this church, the motivation of this church, in other words, what it is that changed this church and these people to begin with is what they continue to preach and it continued to make a difference. And folks, I want to tell you today, what's still going to make a difference is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is still the power of God unto salvation. Now, I know there's a lot of needs that men face and, and, and I'm all for it. You know, uh, and, and Jesus even said this. I mean, people ought to see our good works. We, we ought to be good because basically the gospel is, is a message that's preached, but then the results of the gospel, there's a way that we live that demonstrates the gospel. And you know, it's one of the things with this church I say from time to time that through all of our ministries, I want the way we minister, the way we serve to model the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's things that we do. People have, you know, you, you hear about the, the, the basic needs of man that people aren't going to be interested in hearing about the gospel if they're hungry and if they don't have shelter and things of that nature. I, I, can, I can go along with that to a certain extent. Uh, I believe all that matters. But ultimately, you know, because you think about it, some churches have taken on over the years to where they're putting second things first, right? We ought to think about the physical needs of people and see if we can bless and help in these different ways. Uh, throughout the centuries, by the way, had it not been for Christianity, uh, Christianity is the first ones that really begin to open up to orphans and, and, and elderly and, and, uh, and so forth. It's a pretty awesome thing to see and to study about. But the point that I'm just simply trying to make is this. For some, 
That's what missions has become altogether. It's just trying to make sure somebody has a place to live and something to eat. That's wonderful. But if we're not giving them the gospel, and that's where some of the churches have gone wrong and, and organizations, maybe I should say, have gone wrong is they've quit giving the gospel. Oh, we're just going to let our works do the, the preaching. Well, our works ought to do some preaching, but I'm telling you, people need to hear the gospel. The gospel is still the power of transformation. Hey, is there anybody in here that could testify and could agree that the gospel still transforms lives? Amen. I think there's a few of us in here that could identify with that, all right? And I want to encourage you in that because I'm telling you, the gospel that was powerful that, to the church at Thessalonians is the same gospel that was powerful the day you got saved. And it's the same gospel that is still powerful today. And those of us that know people who it's hard to imagine them ever coming to Christ. You know anybody like that? I, I mean, I hear so, so often. Man, and, and, and I'm not picking here. I'm really not. But I'm praying that God Almighty could change our point of view to where the people of Elk Point Baptist Church will never say never when it comes to somebody getting saved. Now, it's easy for us, isn't it? Because you know that person in your family. You know your dad or you know your mom or your friend or whoever it is. It's easy for us to look over here at somebody on the other side of the church and say, I believe God can save your loved one or save your friend. But then we struggle on believing whether, whether God can save our loved one. Oh, they've been setting their ways for so long. Preacher, you don't even, they don't want nothing to do with God. They cuss God every chance you get. You may be surprised to know that those folks may be a lot closer to getting saved than that person that's sitting on a pew every week somewhere, you know, and going to Mass or something on a regular basis. Uh, I'm just trying to say, folks, it's still the power of God. The gospel still works. So by the grace of God, no matter what we do at Elk Point Baptist Church, we want to make sure that the gospel is at the heart of the messages. Amen? And, and I'm glad it is because when those little kids go in that nursery back there, I mean, whether it's the infants, whether it's the toddlers, and, and I guarantee you in the, in the junior church, wherever they're going around here, guess what they're going to hear? They're going to hear the gospel. Amen? They're going to hear the gospel. They're going to learn the gospel because the gospel is still transforming lives. And so the power, see, we see the dynamite here. Notice, if you would, you could turn over to the book of Romans 1.16, uh, if you uh, would. These are the same notes from last week, so I didn't change anything, but primarily because it's a continuation. But uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, the power of God unto salvation. Uh, when Alfred Nobel was trying to find a good name for this explosive that he had invented, uh, he was trying to find a good name, and a, and a friend of his recommended this old Greek word, dynamo. And so from that, he got the word dynamite. Uh, and so that dynamite, the power, the explosive power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, the gospel. See, Paul knew that the gospel can take a persecutor and make him a preacher. The gospel, folks, aren't you glad the gospel can still go down to the lowest valley? And that the gospel can shine into the darkest, deepest, muckiest pit that there is? 
The gospel still goes there. The gospel will go to your school. The gospel goes to your job. The gospel shines wherever there's a Christian. Amen. I, I, I read about a fellow, I believe he was a, a, a prisoner of war in uh, during Vietnam. And I remember the, go- the gospel made its way into a latrine. And uh, there was a certain officer that uh, or soldier that thought it would be funny to bring a Bible into the latrine uh, for in, in, in place of toilet paper because he felt like that's all it was worth. But the only problem was the gospel, amen, is the power of God. And there's somebody that went into that latrine, picked up a piece of that, uh, picked up a piece of that paper, and read what it said, and ended up getting saved by the grace of God. Why? Because the power of God. Testimony after testimony. God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is still going around this world. The gospel brings hope to back alleys. The gospel brings hope to deep jungles. It convicts and it converts the moralist that is lost in religion. The gospel raises up men and women, boys and girls, all across this world who are not ashamed to carry the life-giving, world-changing message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never underestimate the gospel. The gospel, folks, absolutely changed the world. The gospel shaped the world uh, as we know it. And you say, well, boy, the world seems like it's in kind of poor shape right now. Well, I'll agree with you on that. But, folks, if you would, if you could see what it would be without the gospel, if you could see what it would have been without the gospel that influenced the founding of a nation that began to export liberty and freedom and being an example. Folks, oh, my friend, thinking about the power and the influence of the gospel. Oh, it's worth standing for. You know, I, I shared this not too long ago, but what a what a beautiful picture of the pastor that said he was at a uh, he was in underground church. I believe it was in China, and uh, or, or maybe right on the outskirts. We've got a, there's a missionary man. We support missionaries to get this gospel out, amen. To, to so that they can get this message of power around the world. That's why we support missionaries because it's the church's responsibility to reach the world, and so missionaries serve as agents that we can partner with to go help reach these places. There's a missionary I want to partner with, and I'd love for our church to partner with, Josh Bryant. He came uh, way in the early days of our church here, uh, and he was going to South Korea. And um, I won't say a lot since we're on YouTube, but I'm just telling you, he's making some influence in a lot of other places over there as well and reaching into some places to where uh, the gospel is forbidden. And, and to where people are literally, you know, you know, in, in North Korea, you will absolutely be killed if you are found with a Bible, with a copy of the Word of God. And you know the way they do in North Korea, don't you? They, 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 they'll, they'll, they'll kill you, and what they'll do is they'll imprison anybody that's even related to you just for having a Bible. Uh, and if it's found out that you knew they had a Bible and you didn't report them, you're going to be sharing the same faith. That's the kind of stuff that, guess what? People are risking. Why? Because the power of the gospel. That missionary was in that underground church, and, and, and a young teenage girl got up to sing, and, and, and she sang this, but before she sang, she said, Pastor, do you think it'd be okay if I sang an extra song uh, tonight? And, and, and you could see the congregation was really moved, and it meant a lot to this young girl, this young Chinese girl, to be able to sing an extra song in the service that night. 
And as she came up to sing, uh, she sang, and boy, the place just moved, and you could just feel the working of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and the visiting pastor said, so what's, what's the story? What am I missing here? He said, her dad has already been killed. Several in her family have already been captured and jailed. She knows that this may be her very last service. Can I just say something else right here? I know this is a Wednesday night crowd. What people in some of these other countries wouldn't be able to, wouldn't do to come sit in a church? But the brothers and sisters in Christ, do you know how crazy they think we are sometimes on that? I, 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 before I move on too far from that, that girl sang because she knew it might be her last time being in church, being able to sing. How much does that mean to you? How much does that mean to you? I, I, I remember years ago thinking on that topic. Because we're talking about the church. This church is everything. The, the church must have meant something to this church because the church is these people that were coming together and understood the priorities of the day. Folks, if we really see the need of the hour, folks, the church is still imperative. Thessalonians, first and second, is dealing with the last days. And there's an emphasis over and over again on the importance of the local church. This is not the time to put a less emphasis on the local church. It's a time to put more emphasis, more priority on the church. And so I was thinking years ago, and, and it, it was an interesting thing because I knew some folks that would go over to Romania on a regular basis, and they'd visit the missionaries over there, and they would go to the missionaries, and boy, some of the Americans would go into Romania, and they would be like, oh, my goodness. You know, these Romanian Christians, there are some of them that don't have shoes. I mean, Romania is a cold, wet place. They don't have clothing. Their, their, their church buildings are, are inadequate, and, and many of them don't have heat, and, and it's just, and many of them don't have a lot of food. It's a very poor place in certain regions. And, uh, and, and the Americans would go over and say, oh, my gosh, these poor, these poor Romanians. But then some of the Romanian uh, nationals came to America, and they saw that because here's the here's the, the flip side. When you went to their service, you heard people singing with passion, singing with vigor, people worshiping, loving God, leaving the churches on fire for God. I mean, they'd pack into these little places. They would come in, uh, no matter what else was going on, and worship the Lord. The Romanians came over here. They said, well, they're clothed well, their buildings are comfortable, they have nice cars, but they'd come to church services, and you know what they said? These poor Americans. These poor Americans. Why? Because many are like the Laodicean age where the Bible says that they're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But folks, I'm telling you, never underestimate the power of the gospel. There are still people standing for the gospel. It's worth standing for. I was telling uh, the girls today, we had a smaller group in our Bible study this morning, but I was saying, you know what, if you're, and this ain't just for the young people, but it goes for the young people, you know what, they already know you claim to be a Christian already, right? See, that's some, girls had some great uh, uh, little illustrations of what, uh, you know, we were talking about, would, would you get upset if a blind person said you were ugly? That was very detailed, right? It's good theology. Would you get upset if a blind person said you was ugly? You say, what are y'all talking about in these Bible studies? The, the, the example that you're talking about is this. Why do we get so upset when people that are blind 
to the spiritual realities that we know are true. You know, can you imagine a blind person telling you ugly and you just going, that just creeps me out. All right. Uh, I mean, because the, the, the fact of the matter, how do they know? They don't know. They don't see. Well, the, the world around us doesn't see. So therefore, what I was going to say, as Christians, people already know you claim to be a Christian. And sometimes we get into this thing where we, we want to try to please both. All right. We want to please God. We also want to please people. We don't want to be a weirdo. We don't want to be an outcast. We don't want to be a goody two-shoes or, or whatever else. So here's what I say. Man, we might as well just go all the way for God. You know why? Because they're talking about us anyway. So they might as well talk about, me, talk about me with me going all out for God. Stand for the gospel is what I'm trying to say. Preach the gospel. Give the gospel. The power of the gospel. Never underestimate the gospel. It, think about that statement. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God. Folks, God is strong. But the power of God unto salvation is in the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel, isn't it? Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I, I preach that which, I, I give that to you, which also, uh, you know, I declared earlier, how that the gospel, Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. It tells us what, what he did, but remember the message, it's also why he did it. Because there's a lot of people that we know that believe he was born, he died, and he rose again. But if you miss the whole purpose, if you, if, you, if you miss the redemption narrative of the Bible, then you're missing it. The gospel is understanding how that applies to you. Folks, you know, from the very beginning, the, the Bible truly is a narrative about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a redemption narrative. There's so many ways I could prove this, but just think about, for instance, when from the very beginning when man sinned in the garden, there was a sacrifice that had to be provided in order for them to cover themselves. The works of their own hands did not do it. Those, lead, those aprons of leaves that they made, no, sir. God said there must be a sacrifice, so he sacrificed an animal, presumably, so that he could cover them with leather and skin. Now, so they were covered with because of the death of another. Now, that was obviously a lesson that was taught because when Abel, when it come time to offer a sacrifice to God, Abel brought a sacrifice to God. An animal blood sacrifice. Cain brought the works of his own hands. We know that uh, Abel was accepted, Cain was rejected. And we see it repeated in the book of Exodus, chapter number 12, when the Passover lamb was told, the, the, way, you, the way of your salvation, <laughs> the way of your salvation from this man, by the way, think about what Egypt stood for. Yes, it stood for the world, but its pagan king in many ways stands for Satan. Many of us know this today, don't we? But upon the, upon the crown of a pharaoh, what creature would you find upon the crown of pharaoh? The serpent. So what's the deliverance from the serpent? The lamb, the blood of the lamb, uh, the Passover lamb of Hebrews or of, uh, of uh, Exodus chapter number twelve, and that lamb, that lamb had to be slain. That lamb's blood had to be shed. That lamb's blood had to be applied, and through the shedding of the blood of that lamb and the receiving of that lamb, because they had to kill it, but then they also had to eat it. They'd have to receive it. Uh, they would be then saved uh, from Egypt. And 
delivered from it. Now, that wasn't their soul salvation, but it was picturing their soul salvation. You know, ever since that day, there's been Jews, there's, there's Jewish people that will do this this year. They will observe the Passover. They will, they, they, they will eat unleavened bread. And, and they'll, they'll bake that unleavened bread, and they'll put it in a pouch with three different pockets in that pouch. And they'll put that bread right in the middle pouch. Uh, and what they'll do is they'll take and they'll break that bread. And they'll receive that bread. And the dad will take that bread when it's all done, and he'll wrap it in a linen cloth. And he'll hide it somewhere in the house until it can, and let one of the kids go and discover that bread. You know what Jesus said? He said, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's the bread of life. And there's still observances of that. We know that not only that, but how about Isaiah 53? The Bible says, as the lamb before her shears is done, so he openeth not his mouth. And finally, you get to the book of John. And as soon as Jesus came across those hillsides of Judea, and John the Baptist was out there in the river Jordan baptizing, he said, behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And if you had any questions, in case you had any questions about it, the Apostle Paul, under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he, he spoke of Christ, and you know what he called him? Our Passover. Our Passover. He referred to Jesus Christ as the Passover over lamb. Folks, do you want to know that once they started having, doing the Passover, and once they were able to do their temple worship, there was a place that they raised their sacrificial lambs? And would you be interested to know that that took place right outside of a little city called Bethlehem? That's where those sacrificial lambs were born and bred, right there in Bethlehem. And on the day of the triumphal entry, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, you want to know what else was coming into Jerusalem? Those sacrificial lambs were coming into Jerusalem. And you want to know what was happening when Jesus Christ was dying on the cross? Those lambs were being sacrificed there. Folks, I'm telling you, He is the Lamb of God Almighty. And you go all the way, and I didn't even mention Abraham, did I? The Lord will provide Himself a Lamb. Go to the book of Revelation. Time and time again, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. That's just one of many examples that we could give of the Bible's message of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that is still the power of God. So the, the overall message that, I'm, that we're preaching about chapter 1 is the punch, the powerful, the, the punch of a powerful church. But today it's the power for transformation because it comes down to the gospel. And I'll give it to you quickly. What did he say? He said it came in word in there in verse number, back in Thessalonians chapter 1. And we'll close with this, Thessalonians 1. He said it came unto you not in word only, but it did come in word. So he had to preach it to them, but also in power. And in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance. All right, so uh, I, I just got to share this story with you real quickly. Uh, to God be the glory. I remember when I, I, the Lord saved me when I was 16 years old. I, I've shared this before, but it just came back to mind again, so I'll share it with you. The Lord saved me when I was 16 years old. Um, and uh, right along that time, I had a, we had an assignment coming up in our English literature class or whatever. Um, I had not been saved very long until an assignment came up, I'd say within six months, on uh, we had to write and give and then, then give the speech to the class, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. 
And you know, as soon as she announced that, God just confirmed in my heart what I must do. All right? Uh, you know, and some people got up there and said, I went to Six Flags over Georgia and whatever else, you know. But, but I went to work. And I said, okay, the greatest thing that ever happened to me, there's no way I can get up there and say anything except for what Jesus did in my heart when he saved my soul. So I got up there, and man, you talk about nervous and sick. I got up there with my piece of paper. I stood up there, my heart in my throat. Never once did I look up, and I just, uh, quivery voice, the whole thing. I was ready for the mocking, and I was ready for the jeers. Uh, as, I, as I just nervously read those, read those words off. And, I, and, and, and you know what? One of the biggest things I based on is I get, grabbed a gospel tract, Eric, and I just went through because the Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And, so, and, you know, and I just went through and gave a gospel presentation there. And when I was done, I kind of nervously looked up again, expecting jeers, expecting mocking. But you know what I saw instead? Tears. People looking, and I'm telling you, you know why? Because I gave the gospel. Now, that's not to say that you can't give the gospel and people not mock you, but what I'm telling you was that when I gave the gospel, guess what happened? It was delivered in power. Folks, it was delivered with the power of the Holy Ghost of God. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord. How dare we? What are we thinking when we say God can't save somebody? Seriously? The Holy Ghost? The, 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 the Spirit of Almighty God? I mean, the Spirit that could conquer any, any army in this world and all of them put together and combined? The Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters? Folks, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost and power. Folks, have confidence in the gospel. Even if your presentation is weak and shaky. Because it ain't about your presentation. Oh, preacher, I'd tell it more, but you know, I just don't know. how. The gospel's not that hard to learn. Jesus died for our sins and rose again the third day. Believe, hey, what was, what was Paul's message, that Philippian jailer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Can you say that? Can you say that? We can say it, church. Let's say it. Let's tell somebody, amen. The power of God and the salvation, the gospel, the best thing you can ever do for somebody is share the gospel with them. It was given in word. It was given in power. The Holy Ghost of God, Jesus said, no man cometh unto me except, the, 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 except my Father draw him. He draws with the Holy Ghost of God. I love this assurance. Aren't you glad you can know you're saved? The gospel brings assurance. You know why? Because he did it all. <laughs> he did it all. Somebody says, well, I'm not sure if I said the right words, and I'm not sure. You know, but, well, hey, listen. If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you turned to him, he saved you. Amen? It's assurance. Ha have you ever told somebody and boldly proclaimed, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I've had people say, well, boy, you must think you're something. And I'm like, no, no, no. My, I've got much assurance, but my much assurance ain't about me. It's about him. Amen? Full assurance. So, uh, and then lastly, he said this. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Man, listen. The, the, the great message of the gospel, it's about what he did. 
But I'm telling you, he said, you know what manner of man we were among you? And now he's saying to those Thessalonians, what kind of people have you been around to the people uh, that's around you? Well, we know what kind of people, don't we? Because they turned from their idols. You know, grace, man, people swerve on either side of grace these days. Either they don't give any and their gospel is totally performance-based. There's way too many gospel-preaching churches that preach by, for by grace are you saved through faith. But then they go on to say, after that, the only way you can be accepted and blessed by God is if you do works and perform up to the standard that we're putting out there before you. That's not right. But then you have these on this side that are saying, oh, the grace of God, you know, uh, and, and they don't believe in turning from idols. Their kind of grace just lets you keep on going the way you've been going. Well, what, what is that? You don't even need that. You need help to turn from these idols, not to go headlong into these idols because the grace of Almighty God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, will change the way you live. I'm not saying it'll make you a perfect person because it didn't do that for me, but I'm telling you what, it's changed my life. It's changed my life. And, and the life that I live today, it's not a life that I lead on the basis of, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I don't know how many of you get this, but I got this, especially as a young person. Oh, Jesse's being a good boy because he's trying to get to heaven. Oh, Jesse, he, he can't go out and party with us because he's trying to get to heaven, Eric. You know, he's, uh, he's doing what he can. He don't want to mess up and go to hell or something. People think that stuff sometimes. But I just say, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I've told you before, it's like, I, I'm telling you, no, I, I'm not... The reason I'm not going and partying with you is not because I'm concerned. But whether I'm going to heaven or not, that's not a question. I've got full assurance. But I've been saved. I've been changed. And, 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 and the, matter of, the matter of the fact is, I didn't quit drinking at all. I just changed fountains. Amen. Hey, I just quit getting drunk on uh, drugs and alcohol. I started getting drunk on the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, I didn't shrivel up and die. I didn't. I, hey. I did not stop living when I got saved. I just started living when he saved my soul. Don't feel sorry for me. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let nobody feel sorry for me. You know, oh, you poor kids with your awful parents. No, man, praise God for life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, I'm not missing out today. Folks, the lost are the ones missing out. The world's missing out. Not me. I'm blessed, amen. I'm having life, and I'm having it more abundantly, amen. So, it ought to change the way we live, amen. The power of the gospel, the transformation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, well, Lord, we sure do thank you, God. Help us, God, because I preach all that, Lord, and I'll tell you right now, in front of our Wednesday night congregation, I'm not a bit ashamed of the gospel, Lord. But Lord, I'll also admit before you and this congregation that there's times I'll be standing in line at Hy-Vee and all of a sudden begin to feel ashamed of the gospel. Lord, there's times I might be speaking to someone and begin to, uh, oh, God, forgive me. Help me, Lord, to remember the truths of this message. Help me to remember the truths of what the gospel has done for me Lord, to where ultimately you're the one I want to please, not anybody else in this world. 
and you, what you think and know about me is a lot more important than what anybody else in this world ever thinks about me. So, Lord, we thank you for that, dear God. I pray that you would please uh, help us, God, to stand for the gospel. If there's anybody listening, Lord, that has not been transformed by the gospel, I pray they'd be saved today. And I pray that you'll help. God, there are still some people that are based on performance-based Christianity. We ought to perform. We ought to live a different life. But God, it's because of what you've done in us, Lord. Not so that we might be accepted or that we might uh, be, you know, a part of some elite group or something. No, Lord. We live, our motivation is love. Our motivation is grace. Our motivation is the gospel. So please help us tonight, God. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.